going everybody i'm charlie joined as always by the good brother duke how are you doing duke we are coming hot off the press full gear just happened um as always if this is your first time kind of watching a pre like a post show of a pay-per-view with us um the media scrum hasn't happened yet so if any like crazy news for it breaks from then we're not gonna have it so if we have brawl out you know 3.0 we don't got it you know so Imagine if um, I had the separate headphone in and I was like half talking to you, half listening to the scrum. That'd be some shit. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like we have a fucking agent on the line just typing to us, letting us know. Um, like, hold on, hold on. I'm getting something. Tony Khan just said that the Continental Classic is canceled. What the fuck? You know what I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, yeah, guys, uh, as always, what we're going to do, we just, we just go through the entire card. We're going to spend some time talking about championships, spend some time talking about the matches that we saw. Um, I think what we like to do first is just kind of give our overall vibe from the show, and the, for the first time this year, I uh, I feel like we had a little bit of a mixed bag tonight, and, you know, coming off the year that AEW has had, we have one more pay-per-view, I, I'm a little surprised by that, but I think, I think, as we'll get into throughout the show, I think they got a little, a little overstuffed on certain angles, and it just kind of fell a little flat, but there were some incredible matches, including what... It could be my favorite pay-per-view match of the year in a year where we've had Danielson and MJF already, right? So, but yeah, overall, just mixed bag is what I'm feeling right now. I mean, as we go through the show, who knows? But how are you feeling? Uh, just overall vibe. I I would say maybe slight. Like I, I would have to like because it's so tough because we do these right after. So like I'm sure like when I've had some more time to sit on this show, I'll feel more strongly one way or the other. But right now, I would agree, mixed bag. But, like, I don't think I was anything that I was, like, that was on this show. Maybe outside of, like, Zero Hour. That I was, like, this This didn't have a point. Like, yeah. I don't think I disliked, I don't think I disliked anything. I just didn't love everything as much as I loved other things. And I think, I think we're kind of, like, one of the things we have to remember a lot of times is we're fucking so spoiled as AEW fans that, like, we get unbelievably quality spoiled. matches, yes. like, every fucking week on both Dynamite and Collision. Every week, yep. you know what I mean? Like, and especially in the main events. So, and if it's Collision, you might have, like, three of those matches in one show. So it's like, you know, like, <laughs> like, um, yeah, no, expecting it's... everything to live up to the hype of, like, what... Because, like, what that then means, and people don't seem to realize this that don't watch AEW, is that when you get to do pay-per-views, that means they step it up even more. And so mm-hmm. when everything isn't that, which it can't always be, because otherwise this, everything would feel, you know, what's the syndrome quote from The Incredibles? Once everybody's super, nobody is. If every match is a five-star fucking classic, then not every match is going to feel like it's as important, because everything is just insane all the time. You know, like, yeah. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm sure you could, if you, like, if you literally were like, yeah, we're going to make a company. It's going to be called Seven Star Wrestling, and every match is going to break the scale, you know? It would probably <laughs> exactly. be really popular, but... We're going to throw out classics, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know if it would be as sustainable as something like AEW. I have no idea, but, um, I don't know. I just think there's a logic to that. You know, not everything's going to be as spectacular, so that not everything else looks... So everything that feels as... I don't know, makes it feel bigger, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. just talking to my ass here, but... So we we opened up Zero Hour here, where we had Eddie Kingston defending his Ring of Honor World title against Jay Lethal. 
And, um, you know, right away, whenever you kind of, you get the vibe of, uh, the, uh, uh, what have you been calling it? Slap Nut Express. Whenever they're <laughs> out there, you Dude, just I saw know. somebody in the chat for the, for the, uh, zero hours say that. I was like, wait, is, are we having, is it getting <laughs> yeah, right. I'm probably not the first person to come up with that joke, but you know, like. But it's pretty great. And you just know some shenanigans are going to be afoot. And, um, as always, of course there was. Uh, Shivani on commentary was playing up with Karen Jarrett. Uh, Nigel was trying to add stuff, just wasn't happening. And uh, Stokely was uh, amazing on commentary. He he he's so funny. <laughs> like and, Nigel and was hating you on the main show, but right now, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, they they he they weren't giving him a damn thing, and that's okay. Um, you know, Ring of Honor World Championship match. I'm excited. We have one of the best champions ever, uh, Jay Lethal, taking on our current champ Eddie Kingston. And it was, you know, just kind of a, just kind of, it was a match, right? This is, this is something we'd expect if it was maybe, if it was on a weekly show or if they just logged it on to Battle of the Belts. It's wild. They had 13. two challenges they threw out for fucking Eddie at the same time. And, and well, not in t- at the same time, within like a few weeks. And, and, and Jay and then fucking Dalton. And they just burned both of them in like yep. non nothing matches. And I have burned no them. idea why. Well, we find out why later in the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, yeah, uh, Eddie loses V or what's the uh, Eddie counters the lethal injection with a half and half suplex, followed by a spinning back fist to retain the title. Um, there was a guitar spot. Uh, Ortiz appears. He saves. He 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 smashes the guitar over. Yeah, Jeff that's the other weird thing. So they're suggesting Eddie. Okay, so uh, if we're doing the math here, they're they're yep. suggesting Eddie versus Ortiz, which I guess doesn't necessarily need. A title, which I said when they feuded before, you know what I mean? Like, which I, I think then it should have a title if they're going to run it back because that felt like the one and done they did with that work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, I, it's just this was this was I was like, OK, so Ortiz is with him. All right. They're boys. Uh, Stokely was losing his fucking mind. OK. Claudio defeats Buddy Matthews. Yeah, Stokely was on commentary for that. This was uh-huh. a fine. This is a fine pre-show match. This this is a good match. Good match. Uh, you you were saying Buddy Matthews' music just awesome. Oh yeah, it just it fucking slaps. It's it's like I, I was saying like it's the kind of zombie that like if you had like a zombie it's, sorry it's the kind of music that if you had like a zombie apocalypse playlist like even though I don't think wrestling themes would really make it in there it might you know what I mean like uh just like for like you know like when you're going you know when you're like I don't know we have to clear a building or something and you're like rolling in and yeah like dun, 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 you know what I mean like <laughs> like, like it, you're at a live crowd, especially. I guarantee you, you enjoyed this match. Just just watching a couple guys go out there and hit each other. You know what I mean? This is a good uh, uh, dibble of the tongue. Yeah, this could will, have been right? on the show, and it would have just been like could have been yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah. and it was the, um, it was quality enough. It would have it was a clean finish too. Uh, Claudio yep. powered up in the something RKO that was rare. On the show. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Imagine. I'm only going to mention this once throughout the night, but uh, yeah. this is one of the one of the moments that stood out really bad to me. Uh, Claudio hits this incredible fucking uppercut buddy's fucking gum goes flying you know I, I always remember when you're younger it feels like it's a tooth right and that's kind of what they want to emphasize and shivani just wet farts the fucking call it was awful it was absolutely fucking dreadful but i i won't lay into him too hard um other than that yeah that was a match uh our last pre-show match mjf Tag teaming with Samoa Joe facing the guns for the ROH tag team titles. Uh, Duke, Samoa Joe is not his tag partner, but the story has been Adam Cole has been wanting Samoa Joe to help him. You can trust Samoa Joe. 
Hey, man, in storyline, apparently anybody can defend anybody else's title at any time in AEW. Uh, They're going to have to fucking fix that, man. Yeah, that's like, that's got to go now. That can't be a thing. That is That is like... First of all, what is the motivation for anybody? I mean, Joe getting a future title shot, I get, right? But, uh, okay, so what happens if, if Joe then loses, or sorry, what if MJF then loses? Is that title shot just a, is that like legally binded? Does AEW have to give yeah. him that title shot at that is, point? Is like, it null and void? Like, I don't even know. I don't even like, know. How does that work? If Joe had lost this match and they lost the titles... Would Adam Cole have lost the title? Like, how, how, how can Adam? That's such so. It doesn't weird. make sense. Like, there's so many. There's so and many questions I have about that regarding just specifically so, that. The so, match itself wasn't even. I mean, I the guns are serviceable, and I I just they're serviceable. They would have been fine as Ring of Honor champions, but that's that apparently can't happen. And well, here's I the wasn't thing. even saying that. I'm saying like I expected this match to. Like, I didn't expect it to be like a banger. Even if it was the one v two MJF with no without him being like beat up in the whole thing, maybe. But like it was, it was a two v two. But it just never really got going because clearly they didn't yeah. have enough time. For and this. it feels like, like it feels like an reason. angle that everyone was expecting was Samoa Joe eventually just fucking laying him out. Man, this is your best opportunity. I mean, to, that's what Joe right? usually does. Yep, that's what he normally so does. Maybe they thought that's the that's how we'll subvert everybody, but by not having him do that. But I mean, like, and, I and don't know. By not having him do that, what ends up happening is, so um, uh, MJF and Joe win. They retain their titles, right? I I I thought I wrote in my notes boring match, and I didn't expect to ever do that with MJF and Samoa Joe in the same match. Samoa Joe shakes his hand. I mean, Samoa Joe has. Is that a, is that a pleasure doing business with you? Like I expect the title shot. Well, I mean, it's definitely that's the vibe. And I mean, I mean, he shook CM Punk's hand after their first match, and, and then he beat actually, the living shit out of him. Okay, that's fair, but right? you know, but I mean, even but would I mean before that, Joe would have just skipped straight to that. Yeah, so, you know, that was progress. So maybe so you know, so he know. shakes his hand. MGF's looking fine at this point. I, I'm at this point. Well, I'm just questioning. I'm like, what? What the hell are they doing right now? Yeah, I honestly don't even understand the motivation for Joe in this situation because, like, yeah, he wants another title shot, but like, did they ever agree it didn't upon take Joe it? that long to earn one when he wanted one? Like, it wasn't and they like never he agreed upon be... one. So, what's he gonna do? Enter this tournament that apparently is for a title? What? We'll get into that in a second. Um, it's actually apparently for fucking three titles. And so, so not only that, I'm wondering what more are they gonna do. Uh, no, I thought I thought that was it, right? And then the guns start laying waste to MJF. And I, I thought to myself, wow, the guns know what show they're on. They have an open shot at the world champion. They're going to help out their boy. They're going to beat the shit out of him. You know, tap him up a little bit before the main event. Apparently not. Uh, they're going to call an ambulance. MJF goes in a fucking ambulance. Dude, yeah, they got to get rid of this spot in wrestling. I, I know I it's hate a classic it. wrestling spot. It it's just it doesn't I don't I don't care about it anymore. And and like, I know what? I know I might sound salty right now, but to be fair, I don't think we've ever had a zero hour do this and and the show gets much better. So the vibe will pick up, but as soon as this happened, I I believe I messaged you. I was like, "What in the overbooked garbage are they fucking doing right now?" Cuz 5 <laughs> minutes later, Tony Khan tweets out, "It's Adam Cole versus fucking jay white for the world championship what now if that had happened in the same show that we had samoa joe stepping in to be 
in a world t- tag team it, title match for and the, successfully defend somebody else's title, and then Adam Cole had somehow not been injured. He, exactly. Yep. Like, which obviously is a shoot because they couldn't have him wrestle the match. Oh, I mean, dude, I was. Tried to. I, I was just like, like if he had actually wrestled the match though. Like, what would the precedent have been? Like, I mean, the it would have been is, stupid. Though, I know it's Ring of Honor. Yeah. I know it's Ring of Honor, right? But like, it's MJF, and it's on an AEW pay per view. So like, if, even with Ring of Honor, it's not like AEW has to sanction it under Ring of Honor rules. They've done that before, where it was like, didn't they do a Ring of Honor match with like a ten count once or something like that? Something like, like that. But at this like, point, they did some weird variations. Like, so yeah. like it's it's not like it's locked into the rule set just because it's a Ring of Honor like title. You know what I mean? It should be, I guess. But like, I don't know. It's it's. It was a very it's interesting very zero hour to say the least. And I, I'll tell you what, I don't think I've ever been this passionate about a zero hour. So maybe it fucking worked. Um, so we open up, we have Christian Cage. That, which no, they were, I think we were passionate about like the, the zero hour that was just the match that was just literally Eddie Kingston versus fucking. Yeah, it was very, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was at this point, was. like, I'm very salty kind of going into the show vibe. And I was like, it's already been a weird sports day. So I was like, well, what else can go wrong? Right. Um, we open up with the patriarchy, uh, TNT champion, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne taking on Adam Copeland, Sting, and Darby Allen. Okay. We have an absolutely incredible Christian Cage entrance. He's the father of the year, right? Um, Steve-O's in the house. Copeland's rocking some face paint. Christian Cage is whispering sweet nothings in Nick's ear, and he's, he's hugging the good brother. Um, he's, he's giving him motivation. Father of the year, of course. Nick and Darby get into it first, and they're having these, like, just lockups. They're just some seriously awesome arm drags, right? Like, these are guys that train together, and you could feel it in this. And I was like, this is, this is some good wrestling. Um, Sting starts flinging Nick Wayne around on the outside. We finally get Christian and Copeland tagged into the ring. And I believe you messaged me, like, the vibes are high. And I, I, I was feeling the same exact thing. Like, if this feels good, um, uh, there's some tags going on. Luchasaurus gets in, gets in there. There's some good heat. Um, Luchasaurus is laying his heavy chops that he does. Darby gets tagged in, and he's getting fucking ragdolled into a point where he gets this choke slam from the ring onto the apron. And it's like, dude, every Darby Allen match, there's a death moment. I also think it was brilliant not to just jump back to the entrances. I think it was brilliant for them to all come out to Adam Copeland's theme because it was first appearance Adam Copeland on pay per view. You know, like yep. besides his yeah. obviously his debut, which that also featured this, so that doesn't actually change what I'm saying. Every time that man comes out on pay per view for a while, he should be coming out to that song, even if he's in like a tag. Like that's which I don't think will be a problem because I think based on what we saw in this match, that we're gonna po- probably be seeing. I, I I don't see how it doesn't go singles between him and Christian going forward after after the way things ended. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, we we jumped to Darby's doing a selling bit where he's just selling everything like a million bucks. He uh, leads it to hitting an avalanche code red on Nick Wayne. Uh, Copeland uh, attacks. By the way, that spot looked insanely perfect, and like it that's really like did. I feel like a super dangerous yep. spot. Like that's trust I mean, right there. Not. I think I think that's just chemistry. Like, I think I really it's because do. I assume he helped train the kid. Yeah. I mean, even if, like, you know, like, not, like, directly. Like, like not every two guys, even if they have the ability, are going to go out there and hit it that perfect. Yeah. Um. Uh, Christian attacks Copeland from under the ring. And at this point, I was I, I wrote out, how long until Copeland can get his hands on Cage? He's running wild. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I was feeling throughout the yeah. match, too. 
because like I'm I, that's that's I think that's what they're doing right now is they're sort of in the same way they they brilliantly drew out MJF and and a couple of other people that he was not wanting to fight right yeah I think I don't think it'll last as long as they did with MJF because they specifically had drawn those out as long as they possibly could. But I think they could really stretch this, you know what I mean, and, and have it go maybe even to another pay-per-view before we see them actually have a singles match. You know, maybe huh? he keeps ducking him. Maybe there's a two-on-two Hey, two uh, if this is the world's end, two. you know, t- championship match, that's going to get a lot of interest. Oh, yeah. If that's the TNT title match, I mean, 100%. But, I mean, I don't know. If you want to try and keep – because, like, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm not saying that we should do the thing that AEW always does and just, like, make the story way longer than it has to be, right? But like, I think in this case, it might be a little bit warranted. Oh, you know, definitely, like sometimes definitely. When, when, they, when they lean into that marinate. so much, because like, it makes you not want it. It makes your immediate reaction want to be like, well, no, we should just get straight to it because that'll sell the most tickets or whatever the hell, right? But like, then like, it's like, yeah, but sometimes the story does actually benefit, I think, because like, if Christian is the kind of character that would absolutely pull an MJF and try and avoid having the match for as long as possible. I mean, he's done it already, you know what I mean, with other people, you know? So yeah, I, 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 I don't know, but we'll see. It's uh, the match itself, though. Um, it was good. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't expect to see Ric Flair get involved. I mean, I mean, let me be clear. I it was in the back of my head. I'm like, is this guy going to hit a chop or something on like a pay per view coming up? Yeah, like, uh, probably. But yeah, I mean, they signed him to a contract. I mean, they could have signed him to some kind of like deal that they didn't have to announce. But like, obviously, Ric Flair's not done. We all know that. He's probably going to even like. I, I I shudder to say it, but we're probably going to get at least a couple of Ric Flair matches in AEW. Hey man, I mean? we got a like, pop a um, Briscoe match. Anything's possible. Yeah, so I mean, hey, and well, AEW can do cinematic better than just about anybody. So, you know. Flair ends up getting hit in the peen. Christian Cage, that he got some, yeah, some the, good the heat Flair, there. There will be no more Flair kids. Um, <laughs> uh, he takes the TNT title. He bonks Luchasaurus while aiming for uh, Adam. Hey yo, he runs away from the arena. The, he's leaving his boys in the dust. We get a spear, coffin drop. Lucha takes the pin from Copeland. Um, the baby faces win. We we end with some thank you Sting chants. So. That was an Bro, how do you match? ever like? Does Luchasaurus just have to retire whenever he's not with like Adam? Because I don't know or when he's not with uh, Christian Cage anymore. Because like, I don't even know where you go with this character. Because at this point, what his character has done is betrayed his best friend for this guy, right? Yep. And then essentially get boned by him for like months while he was the super long reigning TNT champion, like the longest reigning TNT champion we've had in a long time, maybe the longest ever. You know what I mean? Like, um. That might not actually be true, but certainly one of the longest we've we've had recently, and yeah, and then he like gets cheated out of the title by the guy, and he just is like, yeah, it, I mean, I don't know what else to do with my career, so I guess I'll just stay here. It's such a weird thing. Cause, like, I, I, what do you, you know? What they're gonna have to do? They're just gonna have to like completely reboot his character and have him come back like without the mask and everything, or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or maybe yeah. maybe the maybe they'll do something. Like, hey, there's options. Suddenly he's good dinosaur again. Oh. <laughs> Jungle Boy just looks at him as a heel, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, uh, Shivani ends up coming out with uh, Remsburg. They bring out Jay White. The match with MJF and Jay White has been canceled. Uh, Jay White is crowned new AEW World Champion. Wait, no he isn't, because Adam Cole's music hits. Adam- I also want to say, that's also not how it should work. Uh, agreed. <laughs> Adam I Cole. Mean, I don't think they were actually saying that's how it works, but it's silly that they intimated it. It's yeah. Not cool. uh, he says he will defend the title for MJF if he can do it, one leg or not. And I wrote it at the time, set up for MJF and ambulance question mark. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the case. Um, yeah, at this point, I was I was like, yeah, just uh, two months build up for what? 
And I posted a tweet about that. Um, and I got called the WWE Mark. So, uh, I think my problem with the, <laughs> that being the decision that they ultimately went with for the for the. I, I I think it's really weird that you had this really really solid angle going into this. So show. good. And maybe maybe it got a little bit overbooked and muddled to begin with with the whole devil shit, right? Which I think is a good storyline of its own, but it's just like the other. It's another mystery box in AEW. If, if if it doesn't work out, if it's not somebody really cool, we'll just move on from it. You know, like um. Whereas this storyline is something that they worked, and it wasn't something that they it's not just this storyline that has been phenomenal over the last few months it's also like the six months before that or whatever the hell it was that we've had jay white having phenomenal match after phenomenal match never being pinned until tonight you know what i mean like which is an insane stat when you think about it you know what i mean for anybody in AEW, let alone the guy that was just in the world title match in the second to last pay-per-view of the year so it's like it needed to ha- it didn't even need this weird thing that we got we'll talk about it more when we got yeah, to yeah, the yeah. actual main event yeah. it's, it'll be easier to talk about in context but it's like it deserved to be like th- this big blow off to this really well told story and they just decided to just weird they muddied it muddled for shit. no fucking reason and i i, I if mjf is actually injured sure I, I i agree maybe they need to do something to make it look like he's not wrestling I mean, at, at full that strength. point. I, I hate to say this, but like, if he wasn't capable, if he was capable of wrestling, but not to the point where like he could have the match that he wanted to have, then why the fuck is he taking like giant bumps off the top rope it, over like hundred percent? You do. Yep. So this is all this. I mean, and I could be wrong. I could watch the media scrum when we get done here, or when I get up tomorrow, you know, and say, and it's, and MJF goes in it and says, actually, yeah, I was completely shoot injured, and I just wrestled the match, and. I'm probably going to be fucked, you know? Like, yeah, but that could happen. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think AEW is really good at that smoke and mirror shit. I think Brian Danielson essentially admitted it a while back, you know, like that not everything that we see injury wise in AEW is always real. And they're never going to say how much of it's real. I think it's part of the reason why Tony Khan doesn't make reveals about people's medical situations without them being the one to do it because it makes him able to deny it's like a plausible deniability thing, you know? Agreed. Um, so now we jump into our AW International title, where we have Orange Cassidy uh, facing off with John Moxley. The story has kind of been here, even though Orange Cassidy's champion again, he still wants to beat Moxley, right? Uh, uh, would this make a lot more sense if this was Moxley as the champion? Sure, but that wasn't the case. And I, I've been a little, I've been a little critical of this of this program because of how much we loved the Orange Cassidy one before, and. I, it felt like the crowd maybe did too because the crowd was very, very quiet at the start of this. Um, we open up with some brawling on the outside. Mox is working as the heel here. Uh, he's 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 bleeding. Um, eventually, Orange Cassidy finally starts heating up. He gets the avalanche suplex, followed by some multiple diving DDTs. There's a Slumdog Millionaire that's hit, but Moxley swaps it and he's just cranking in the hammer and elbow, uh, hammer and anvil elbows. Um, Locks in the bulldog choke. OC breaks out. Uh, he locks in a standing red rum, which was pretty cool. Uh, Hook and Taz were really playing that up. So yeah, he's I learning love, from his I partner. I love Cassidy using the kata hajime. That's a, that's a great submission. Uh, Mox hits an RKO. The got staple pile driver. I I wrote at this point, and I guess I'm going to say it because it's just how I was feeling in the moment. I wrote that I was bored. And I, I just, I wasn't clicking with this match. 
it felt like what are we doing here and again i'm not really trying to weigh the feud on into what was happening but i i just wasn't vibing with it but then orange hits his he hits three orange punches moxley flips up there's a two count three more orange punches a beach break orange cassidy defeats john moxley he is the fourth person to ever beat moxley in AEW. the others being hangman punk and lance archer so duke orange cassidy retains and we're moving forward with with him as champion, which I'm I, I'm happy he's champion. I mean, yeah, I think but, I think throwing it back on Moxley here would have been like, like that would have been fucking nuts. Would have been, been ludicrous. ludicrous like, yeah, it, I mean, it would have been interesting to see what they did with it, but I don't think that would have been the smart move. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I, I don't think I was like bored or anything like that. I did expect a little bit more from this match, but it could be like you know I, we we'll have to talk about when we review these. Like this was not their all out match to say the least. Right, the positioning on the card mattered here, I think, you know, um, and so uh, not that I think that they couldn't have had the same match that they had on all you know, on the other pay-per-view on this spot, but I don't think they wanted to, um, but they did some good stuff, you know, um, I do still think Orange is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I think this is another example of um, how he can even take like kind of not like a spectacular match and still kind of make something interesting out of it. Um, Agreed, and I think Moxley did did all the Moxley stuff that because they get about what's going to define whether people did or did not like this match is whether or not they like Moxley. Because if you like Moxley, he did everything that you like, and if you yep. don't like Moxley, he, everything that he does you hate. So it's this is going to not work for you, especially right. if you did. Eden, you and the it. kind of like I can imagine there is going to be like the WWE crowd and like the Cornette crowd are going to be like ragging on this match like crazy for one because they don't like both of them, I, but. Also, because I would assume Fed fans feel some sort of betrayal from Moxley, you know what I mean? And I, I assume everybody makes fun of Ward Cassidy that has never watched a match from him. So you know, if they even know who he is, you know. So yeah, he only does yeah. his little kicks in this match for like maybe half a second, not much at all. You could tell this was a much more serious match for him, and and he played into that. So yeah, they could do more with that, but this wasn't like a long term. Yeah, this wasn't I mean, the feud that called for. It. Was but like they didn't, they didn't like plan this out like two weeks ago. Like they, I mean, maybe they actually did, but like you get what I'm saying here. Yeah, like, they didn't yeah. like. It wasn't like a one of the long term stories they brought. It was it was an example of, and they do this in AEW relatively frequently, where they like to put stuff on the back burner and they're like, hey. Remember this story? Yeah, it's still a thing. Remember? And everyone's like, "What? No, actually, I don't." And they're like, "Ah, uh, trust me, it was a story." And they're like, "Okay." And like, so <laughs> we get a Continental Classic update. Mark Briscoe is announced. Um, you know, we did a lot of speculating uh, this pe- this most recent week about what the Continental Classic could be, and um, I I want to say you had a really good reference to this. How, how do you feel about Mark Briscoe? being announced for the continental classic yes. following he has been it's brian danielson andrade alitalo and daniel garcia correct those are the three in it or is Dan, uh, did i dream about daniel garcia being in it i might have uh yeah, i thought his promo much. i don't think okay that's fair all right he well, might have you know andrade i'll have to, I'll have to look mark back briscoe and De- brian danielson how are how, how you feeling about mark briscoe being in this yeah, so I think some people are probably that are like super purists about these kinds of tournaments are going to be like, but like, so here's the reason why I think this is actually a really smart move. So actually something I specifically said on our podcast that you mentioned is um, the reason one of the reasons like I really super enjoyed um, the super juniors that we reviewed earlier this year 
was because everybody in it was pretty much a fucking star and like they just hadn't been given the opportunity to show how good they were or perhaps just not been shown in the proper light by New Japan. Um, and one of the people I'd never even heard of before that tournament was Ryusuke Taguchi. And coming out of that tournament, and you know this, Charlie, because I, said, I talked about this throughout the whole tournament. He became one of my favorite New Japan wrestlers yeah. coming out of that. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because, and I, and this is like this like weird, like butt stuff guy that nobody even like, people like him and he's got like a cult following in New Japan. But like, he wasn't like, you know, see, he's not your like tradition. He's not like your top star. Maybe he was like in the, when he was younger in the Super Juniors before all that like gimmicky stuff came along. But like, even so, you know. Um, but what defined him as, and I think, I don't think I actually have verbalized this yet. What defined him as such a great wrestler was not that he's like the most, like, he's not going to put on like the way I put it to you in our, in our, in our chat was like, he's not going to go out there and put on a five-star match anymore because he's like a little too old for that. Um, I don't think Mark Risco is like that old, but I don't think he's going to be able to, I don't think he's the like kind of wrestler that with, without it being like a tag team situation or something that he's like super experienced with like that, that he's going to be able to go out there and put on like a five-star match. However, something that I've seen from every single match tag or otherwise that I've seen from Mark Briscoe so far is the ability to put on a solid to good match with just about anybody on the roster, which is why Ryus Kutaguchi was one of the key parts of why that tournament succeeded because everybody had a match with them. And every one of the matches that he gave Sorry, in every one of those matches, because he was obviously considered to be the, not to be, you know, like, um, I'm not trying to say this in a rude way, the lesser wrestler, if you will, the person with the less to give, the person that's going to need to be carried more, right? He's not the one at the top of the card. And he gave them everything that he had and also sold the shit out of everything. And I do believe that Mark Briscoe is going to be able to do that to people in this tournament. Because you're going to need people like that. Because you can't just have everybody be fucking Kenny. It can't be like... I, I can't list off 12 off the top of my head, but it can't be like Kenny Omega, Jay White, Samoa Joe, MJF, and like MJF's not obviously not be in it, but like it can't be like the, the top wrestlers because if there's nobody in there to give the shine to those other guys, yes, they all are capable of doing that for each other. But like, I feel like that's one of the reasons why New Japan tournaments work so well is because not everybody in it is somebody you're expecting to be in that tournament and be a star. Does it always work out? No, but. I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's a brilliant move by Tony Khan. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy for Mark Briscoe to get this spot. I think it's going to be a fun tournament. Okay, uh, we have our AW Women's Title on the line. We have a car of Sheeta versus Timeless Tony Storm. Uh, Sheeta gets the early advantage. She has some really good chops. Tony has fundamentally changed her style going into this entire new gimmick, and you can really feel it play out. Um, I thought her gear was incredible. She hits this windmill, this windmill like elbow strike, dude. It was awesome. Uh, they they capture. Yeah, she's like stealing the vaude villains gimmick, yeah, but right? like actually doing it. And it's actually good. They, Not the vaude villains weren't, but like you know, you know. What yeah, I mean. they capture Mariah May watching from the back. Uh, Karl Shida hits a really clean running knee. Luther gives her the shoe. She hits a side slam. There's an ankle lock, then locked in from Tony. The <laughs> I, it auto corrected to shoe shit. I believe I meant, I meant to say shoe shot is blocked, and then she gets hit with a Shida elbow. The shoe goes flying. I think it hit Taz. Probably didn't, but we're going to say it did. Nah, it just it was a near um, miss. There ends up being a tray shot hit on Hikaru Shida. She, she does a wardrobe adjustment. Tony Storm does. The sweet cheek music. And Tony Storm wins! Three-time AEW Women's Champ. Mariah May arrives with the flowers. There was a brilliant call. I believe it was from Nigel, where he said, uh, 
Tony Storm has gone off script. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was pretty good. But uh, bro, how you feeling about our three-time champ? Yeah, another win via so, yeah, shenanigans. I mean, Tony Storm, I think. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, if Athena didn't, if 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 Athena wasn't in contention, Tony Storm would be the only person you could actually consider for best wrestling this year at AEW. Because like, and if we were saying strictly AEW, we couldn't consider it. It would have to go to her because she's literally been like. Charlie, who else? If Jamie Hayter had not been injured, I think it would have been her. She has defined this women's division throughout the entire year. Like, there was a bit of months where Soraya was champion, I'll admit. And a few times, and fucking somehow Sheeta won the championship like twice this year. You know what I mean? Like, um, but like, I think, right? I'm I'm not crazy. I'm pretty sure that's true, right? Um, Yeah. But like... Even even if yeah okay even if it's not it's like really it was really close to the beginning of this year when she last won it. The point is like Tony Storm, I think, and it's funny as fuck too because they had the whole outcasting going. They could have kept that going long. I mean, it was getting old for sure. That's absolutely the right move to, to to move on from it. I think, but like I, they could have kept that going, and I don't think anyone would have been bothered, especially if Tony was continuing to be champion or something like that, like or Soraya or whoever, right? Yeah, but like they decided to do pivot and do this whole like completely like what sounds like i'm sure when she put well because this to me i i maybe this was pitched to her and that and that would be great to find that out later this feels to me like the kind of idea that somebody like tony would come up with and be like not uh, tony Khan, but tony storm would come up with and be like let's just try this crazy shit and see if it works and then it works and then everyone's like okay well, this is what we're doing now and that so that's the first part of what i'm going to say here is that i'm amazed with what tony storm was able to do the second thing I'm going to say here, uh, what the hell is go- like going on with Sheeta? Where she just she cannot sustain a title reign, dude. Like, yeah, you know, she had her big one, and then after that, now it's just been it's been short title reigns. You think it's literally like they're just timing it with when she has to go back to Japan and stuff like that? Like, I I don't know. She didn't go back last time. If so, so that's so brutal for if you're being. She, winning, she's been here the whole time. They want to put the since the Soraya one. So right, that's what I'm saying. Like she hasn't left. Yeah, in a no, while, I I just like, I think it's. It's they're trying to find, I, I don't know. They're trying to get a title over. They're trying to get a champion over, and I think that they see what they can do with Tony Storm as, here. As, unfortunately, as good as Tony Storm is, she'll be over. No one's going to be as over as until J- Jamie Hader gets back. It's unfortunate, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. You know, like or to, or possibly Thunder Rosa. I think could come back and be as over as she was. Uh, it would take some work to get back there. I think because of how long she's been gone. But I, I but I, I think those are like the only two that I can even think of. Actually, Britt Baker, yeah. who hasn't been on TV notoriously in a while, you know, um, I think could also be, you know, potentially. But I have no idea. It would really take some work, like I said. Speaking of Hikaru Shida's reign, she held the championship for 39 days. She won it off Soraya at Title Tuesday, Dynamite 210. She defended the title two weeks later at Dynamite 212 in Philadelphia against Ruby Soho. Been a pretty, pretty solid match. Um, three days later, she defends the title on Fright Night Fight against Abaddon in a pretty awesome match, actually, that Abaddon, it felt like, really belonged in the top of the card. We then jump forward about, uh, oh, a whole three days later, she defends the title against Willow Nightingale. And then we flash forward about two and a half, three weeks later, to where she defends it tonight at full gear and loses to Tony Storm. So, all of these matches had some good times. Like Ruby, 915, Abaddon, 1011, Willow, 956, and tonight, 10 minutes, 25. So 
These weren't, you know, six-minute stints. They all had a little bro, bit of time bro, to how breathe. how sad is that that we're like, oh, these women's title matches got 10-plus minutes. How great for them. Yeah, right? So Christ. Give them 20, for fuck's uh, sake. Remember they did that? Like, gave, gave, didn't they give, like, Athena and Willow or somebody like that 15 minutes once? And it was, like, one of the craziest matches of the Athena year. Athena and Kira like, Hogan, too. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Why, why not? They, they, they let them cook sometimes. And, um, but, yeah, this was a pretty pretty mid-title reign. But it, she did what she could in 39 days. So. You know, it's just it's a it's a transitional champion, right? So, um, hopefully she uh, sticks around and we uh she gets into a feud here with someone and, and has a good time, right? I mean, the last time that they did that when she just lost her championship, or like, uh, we got the Serena Deeb feud, and that was one of the best undercard women's feuds we've had in AEW. So we could absolutely, I'm one thousand percent down with that. We jump to a Renee Paquette interview where Eddie Kingston is being interviewed. He wants in the Continental Classic. He's putting both titles on the line in every match that he's in. So the Continental Championship is on the line as well, which was briefly mentioned, which I had yeah, so no I'm idea So I speculate about. that that Continental Championship was not a thing and that this was actually how we suspected going to be for like a world title shot at the end, yep. right? I think the reason why the Continental Championship was created is because it's going to create an American Triple Crown when they do that. I don't think that was originally the plan. Yeah. Um, um, and I think maybe part of the reason why that wasn't the original plan, maybe it was actually the original, original plan, but because Eddie was like pitching this idea that they could make a Triple Crown, right? But they had to get permission from New Japan, obviously. Yep. So, And at this um, at this exact moment, I was I, I, I made sure to, to write it down. I wrote, uh, this tourney is not what I envisioned, and I, I, from this point on, I was like, I'm not going to let the other announce, uh, announcements hurt me. I'm not going to let my speculation become expectation, because I had really built up in my head that this was going to be what AEW's G1 could be, and I found myself disappointed that Eddie was announced for the tournament and that a title was on the line, and he's putting his titles on the line, so I was like, scratch that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this tournament for what it is. It's, it's not going to be... This insane... Well, it's, it's a tournament we've speculated about, didn't yeah. they? Who was it that said they wanted to do this? Was it CM Punk wanted to be in the Owen Hart? No, it wasn't CM Punk. It was somebody else wanted to be in the Owen Hart, and they would, said they would defend their championship. Maybe it was Wardlow or something like yeah. that. And somebody said they would do it, and they were like, nah, you can't do that, though. And maybe they're like, fuck it, let's try it. I mean, yeah. it'll be a crazy tournament. They obviously are going to have they to They have the talent sure to do it. So so here's how this is going to have to work. This is going to have to work like the so this triple crown is going to have to work like how the KOPW championship works in Japan where it's a provisional championship. So if you win the championship off the champion mid-year, you're not really the champion unless you go and win the tournament the next year. But you can walk into that tournament as the champion. Yeah, it, but it, there's not a tournament so, in New Japan, but it's kind of similar how the KOPW championship works where there'll be a match. You know what I mean? Like at one of the pay-per-views, I think it's the cup one, right? Or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget. Anyway, the point is, there's always a match that's like, oh, this is the actual... Because it's silly. Technically, there's not actually a KOPD championship match on any show besides that one show, technically. But that's not how they build it or book it at all. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think that's how this will work. It'll still just be a triple... It'll be like, you're the triple crown champion. But then, like, you'll... Yeah, it's like, what does this mean for Ring of Honor, too? Like, like... Uh... Yeah, uh, world right. Champions Ring just... of Honor has kind of not had a champion for a while. Like, dude, I, now I don't. Like... I don't know if there's any point in us even trying to defend what they're Bro, doing anymore. Here's the thing: like, I'm sitting here like as a person covering Ring of Honor right now, and going forward, we have no fucking t- no TV champion. 
our pure champion hasn't been on the show in weeks. We have no tag team champions on this show. There's literally going to be, there's Dude, literally, like, wait, I just realized there's, there's literally been one champion on Ring of Honor in the last, like, month or two. And it's been Athena. Yeah. And that's how it's going to stay. Yeah. Now, the only thing that bails them out of that, Charlie, is that the Athena show is the best show Ring of Honor has to offer right now. It does. You can just sprinkle everything else good in there, like the infantry the or count, the righteous. The, the or... trio's titles are in a fucking Japan, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah weird man but yeah that that is something i'm i'm putting out there so so my my mindset is now completely fundamentally shifted about what this tournament is and this could be I'm like excited maybe for this is the Mark. indication that ring of honor is literally gonna dissolve i think right? there's a chance because Mark the triple win crown this thing championship now. had dissolved championships in it right that they kept alive after the triple crown was still around right it posts that those championships no longer being a thing right that's why they were able to fold them in to begin with so Maybe that's an indication that New Japan Strong. Remember, because there was all the rumors that New Japan Strong was going to be gone too, and I mean they don't really have a TV show anymore, do they? Like so, yep. like so, so maybe this is literally them just essentially Eddie sees the writing on the wall for both Ring of Honor and New Japan Strong, and he's like, well, I mean, New Japan Strong you know, is essentially just their U.S. shows that they do a couple times. A year. I could see Eddie being like, "Fuck, I actually have a chance to be like a modern day, like you know, all Japan kind of." And if that's the case, like, hey. They gave a shot with Ring of Honor. They gave those people that worked for Ring of Honor only a jobs for years. Uh, well, however long Ring of Honor on Honor Club is like for at least like thirty something weeks. You know yeah. what I mean? Like plus however long it took to set all that shit up. You know what I mean? So like if it did, if it didn't work out, then that really sucks because I actually really enjoyed covering Ring of Honor every week. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, it's been a rough I couple of weeks for Ring of ever... Honor to say the least. It's been very very. Yeah, rough. I, I hope I hope this is just like. Uh, I I want to say I hope this is just like a bad time, but like I don't know because this tournament is going to take a while. So it's like, like I just I still think the righteous should have won those fucking titles, and I think a lot like that's the that was the beginning of I it. I think man. there were some decisions made that they thought in the long term would work out better, and have just not. And maybe the idea was like I said because those rumors came up around the time that they didn't lose the titles. I want to say I, when I first heard the idea that Ring of Honor was like not popular at all and that people weren't watching it and but then i'm like i i started seeing people like that were a part of our community talking about it so i was like i don't know what the hell is going on here you know what i mean like i don't know yeah it's i i i don't like to speculate like that in the first place but i you know when i hear stuff like that i will i will acknowledge it you know like it's just like it is really weird that the Ring of Honor World Championship, I guess, technically isn't even going to be in Ring of Honor anymore. Unless Eddie just defends all three in Ring of Honor all the time or whoever walks out with it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and if this weird. is just another championship, dude, and we have three fucking singles titles, I I, I got no <laughs> words, man. They're not going to be three. Okay, so the Triple Crown doesn't work like you don't defend them all three separately. They're, they're no, I'm all saying one like TNT, International, and Continental. If they treat this thing like it's a fucking a third singles title in AEW. Oh no, the so. the triple crown title will be treated like its own singles title because that's how it worked in all Japan. Like the all Japan, the the, the difference was in all Japan, Charlie. It was the all Japan world. I'm title. hoping it's an. Owen so what Hart I think this thing. is going to be is this is going to be Ring of Honor's <laughs> new world title. It's going to be this triple crown. Yeah, I'm just hoping it's a fucking. I uh, I could it's like wrong. an Owen Hart thing, and we see the title once and never see it again because that's the last thing we fucking need is more titles. <laughs> Genuinely, the last thing. It's like the easiest criticism you can make of AEW and Ring. Yeah, dude. It's just way too many yeah, titles. It's, it's yeah. All right, we have the AEW Tag Team Titles ladder match. I'm gonna let you take the lead here. Uh, what what do you think of this one? 
My God, this was the first of two just absolutely absurd just death matches tonight. Um, Kings of the Black Throne taking on Bill and Ricky, taking on LFI, taking on FTR, the AW World Tag Team Championships. I actually thought um there so there was two things I thought that were good creativity wise. I thought like the the structure of the match for a ladder match was like different than a lot of the matches that I've seen even in AEW. Um and I thought like that was good, but I also thought just like they did some creative stuff with ladders that I haven't really seen before and <laughs> I didn't write down everything, but my fucking god, there was like pile drivers into ladders, there was like multiple pile drivers into ladders by the way there was like i think this there has been like three street fights in aw this week that are just like absurd like maybe four like like this there's just listen man like there was so much going on in this match we had like our meat section oh there was this so they keep doing this spot in aw charlie where like they do this tower of doom to the outside on the people and i don't know why they keep doing it. someone's gonna die doing this spot for sure but um you know, I'm calling that the Tower of Obliteration because Tower of Doom just doesn't fucking fit, man. That shit is way more dangerous than a regular one. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Um, we had our meat chance, and then the chance got really fucking crazy. They were—I <laughs> don't even know what they were saying at some point. They were like saying some crazy shit in the crowd, dude. Um, it was—it was insane. It was uh, the way I described this match in my notes was incredibly fun to watch. Insanely brutal bumps, like all over the place, basically. Like, um, and this was before the match that actually got insane and brutal later, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, uh, Charlie, what did you think of this match? Because I just, like, it, to me, like, this match, like, yeah. I actually didn't expect, I, I wasn't sure, like, it's funny, too, walking into this, I think we did, what did we have? I don't even remember. Did we both have Bill and Ricky retaining here? I yes. don't even remember. Yes. Like, so I don't know why I even thought that because like, well, I guess we didn't know if we had known it was a ladder match, I probably would have like not necessarily immediately still. I mean, I probably still would have gone with them upon like thinking about yeah. it. But like, I don't know if I would have been so sure because, you know, every time you add a gimmick, it, it definitely changes the equation. But then like they are the ones that added it. So it makes sense that they would win. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, there's There's some stuff there, but I I really did enjoy this match. So just like, tell yeah, me, tell I, me I thought we had a really heavy pace. Um, in terms of everyone beating the crap out of each other. The crowd was loving Roosh. I mean, he was so over with this crowd. Uh, AEW fans love violence, and Roosh fits that bill. Bro, it's why I'm so surprised that, like, I'm glad he's getting a push now, but it's like they would bring him in for, like, one or two weeks at a time, regularly for a while, and he'd be gone and he'd not show up back again, show up back again for months, and he'd be like, yep. but he'd be, like, one of the more over things on the entire show there's a beef chant uh, we had a meeting of the meat in the ring I believe Excalibur called it uh, it was excellent that was uh, uh, Big Brody and Big Bill uh, Ricky Stars versus Roosh would be an insane world title feud let's flash for- forward to that future eh? Um, Ed, and uh, my final note Jalisco has a AAA world title match tomorrow good luck my friend <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we, uh, yeah, he's a luchador. He'll be fine. I'm fine with Ricky and Big Bill winning. I was rooting for LFI. Uh, they were the team that caught my attention most in the match. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see them win. Yeah. I just, you know, I think it was just, they, they didn't, they didn't obviously want to, um, or maybe they, it's not that they didn't want to, they just didn't have time. They didn't book this again. A lot of the stuff. It's just kind of who I found myself rooting for during the match, you know? Big Bill and Starks, I think, makes the most sense storyline-wise to keep them with the titles for now. 
Works for me. Yeah, because it adds to that, like, oh, the bad guys still have the, the championships. Ah, those dastardly heels got away with it again, you know, like. And again, all- I also do like it's. I, I can I say the ladder match thing? I because we didn't talk about the actual shows this week. Obviously, I like that they decided to do that because, like, in a four v like, they often will make the big deal out of oh, champions' advantage is gone. Sucks to be the champions right now. Yeah, but like, there's a serious argument that you could make that in some situations maybe they should get a stipulation like this. Maybe not all the time. Don't wear you know, don't beat the dead horse until it you know resurrects and then you kill it again. You know, like, but like, um. You know, maybe every now and then, if you want to do that, that's actually a pretty interesting way of considering. Because, like, I mean, you know, not that it has to be fair. Obviously, it's intentionally unfair, but it's like it's an interesting idea. You know? Yeah. We jump to an AWTBS title match, and there were two titles that I felt like should change hands tonight, and this was one of them. And uh, I felt like this was the right call. And uh, so Sky Blue, she stomps her hat on the entrance. She's got a new uh, song by Butcher Babies, which is pretty cool. And I felt right away this was a fun, refreshing matchup. I think all three of these women deserve to be in this spot. Stack came out looking like she belongs in an 80s hair metal band. I found out it's the guy from Dodgeball. That was pretty cool. And the motto early on, I felt like, was Attack the Giant, right? If you're Staten, if you're uh, Julia and Sky Blue. It wasn't working out too bad, too often. <laughs> Uh, Julia and Sky had this really neat stare off where kind of Julia's hanging from the turnbuckle and Sky's like, yeah, they actually did a really good job of teasing the idea that, that Julia was going to turn her, you know, still potentially, and they could still play with that idea, obviously, but, um, I think I, I, they did a really good job of teasing that without actually going there. Uh, Julia gets slammed from Statlander. The baddies start teaming up. And at this point, yeah, like you said, we're kind of getting the vibe of maybe they're going to do something. They hit back-to-back apron moves. There's some handshaking. Uh, they start brawling because Julia attacks first. Uh, she gets boots on Sky and a really nice uh, lariat on Statlander. Sky hits the kick on Julia where she's hanging on the turnbuckle. It's that that Will Osprey fucking kick. So I, I thought that was really neat. Um, Stat hits the uh, gorgeous fucking lariat and then a slide slam for the two count on Julia. Sky gets, goes for a hurricane run. It gets caught and slammed by Statlander. That sets up the 450 splash. Julia says, nah. She hits the, she shoves her off. She hits the moonsault press. Stat breaks it up. Code blue for a really good two count on Statlander. And I gotta tell you, man, I was really, really liking this match. This is a good I'm not gonna match. Lie to you. When she hit that code blue middle of the ring, I was like, dude, this match is over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, Sky Blue is your champion. I, there was a time when I was like thinking, are they are they setting up Sky Blue? Yeah, in this especially match with the right new now? music, dude. That gets a, like, a oh, fucking man. incredible two count from Statlander. Stratosphering somebody, but they did that with somebody else in this yeah. match, you know. Um, uh, Statlander's hitting deadlift Germans over and over, and Julia Hart kind of sneaks in and pins Sky Blue after uh. The f- I always blank on her finisher, man. What the fuck's it called? Uh, Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever, Fever is, is hit. Because this is the last time she's going to hit it as the champion, obviously, and it was on a Saturday yep. night. So the Saturday Night Fever is hit on Sky Blue. Julia Hart sneaks in, steals the if fucking the, championship. Con planning shit out like that is insane to me. Because you know he thought about that and said he's like, oh, I have a pay-per-view on a Saturday. And her move is called the Saturday Night Fever because we have a wrestle on collision. This is all ah, wringing my hands together while I'm planning evil. You know what I mean? Like, and I, you know I was saying? thinking, like, holy a master shit. plan is there. You yeah. Know? Um, it's like the time we figured out the eights in the Ocho shit. That was the craziest thing I've ever realized in wrestling. Like, yeah, 
for those of you that don't know, back when we, we when like Chris Jericho lost the Ring of Honor World Title, we realized that while he was doing the gimmick the Ocho, he had eight titles defenses in eighty eight days, and I believe there was some other thing with the eights, and I can't remember what it was. Maybe he lost it on a day that was like the eighth day of the month or something yeah. like that. Like it was some crazy, like insane coincidences that like you, that Tony Khan had to like manipulate fucking events and like how they scheduled arenas and stuff like that to be able to figure out. You know what I mean? Like anyway, yeah. And fucking Tony Khan's a genius sometimes. Julia wins and to a massive fucking drunk. pop, by the way. The crowd oh, erupted. Dude, the crowd likes Julia because Julia is one of those things that like is so hilarious when you look back on it now because she so fits this gimmick so much more than the cheerleader thing. Yep. But like she was literally probably like the lowest, lowest part of the non like jobbers that are not brought in more than once on dark roles. And by the way, she was essentially a jobber on dark for the women's division for a long time. Um, she was obviously intended to be for more than that because she was so young and also because she was just clearly she needed so she was really green when I first saw her. You know what I mean? Um, or at least she seemed to be. Maybe she was just really nervous. I can understand that, you know? But when they, like, found this, like, weird, dark fucking witch gimmick or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be, like, this dark wizard shit, like, it has just been the perfect thing for her. And it's made everybody appreciate her so much more than when she was doing all that gymnastic shit that she could also do. And she did it just as convincingly as she's doing it now. And now when she hits that fucking moonsault, everybody pops out of their fucking seats because it's a crazy looking moonsault yeah, that is. this like dark wizard lady just hit that you're like really invested in because she's a part of this like dark faction that everyone really likes, you know, like. And well, well deserved. Um, I think Statlander's title reign, it, it was time. It was due. She had a long title reign and, you know, it, it, it was, Orange Cassidy's title reign, essentially. The the story of the title reign was the fucking the matches along the journey. I I wouldn't say it was the same though. Like they didn't treat it like the wheels were falling off. Like she just No, no, no. I'm saying like in terms of the story being the matches going boom ba boom ba boom. Like there was a mini feud with Julia Hart, but that was simply to set up a wrestle dream. So Statlander had a 174-day title reign, which is the... Oh, you're going through that. I'm going to be right yep, back. Yep, which is the second longest uh, TBS title reign. Of course, Jade Cargill has the longest. She beats Jade Cargill in 50 seconds at double or nothing. Uh, we flash forward to Dynamite 191, where she defeats Nyla Rose. That's always your first contender, right? Uh, the following week, she defeats Anna J.A.S. in 825. So, again, pretty good matches here. I, I, I enjoyed the Anna J. match. Um, and you guys might remember that show. I was even like, are we just doing an Orange Cassidy thing? It was answered. Yes, we are. <laughs> Two weeks later, she defends it against Taya Valkyrie. It's been a while since we've seen her. Um, we then, in the a week later, collision number three, we defend against Lady Frost in a pretty fun match in Canada. A uh, Rampage 102, Royal Rampage, she defeats Marina Shafir at the TD Garden. That was about three weeks later. We then face uh, Mercedes Martinez about three weeks later on collision number eight. Uh, she defeats Ruby Soho at All Out. Uh, that match was actually a fucking It was, I it was. Um, I remember people thinking at the time, like, she just hasn't had the title Bro, long enough to lose. That was the time when it. everyone was like, wait, Ruby Soho? Yeah. And so it just felt like Ruby didn't really have a chance to win it there. And that... 
Dare I say that was the best match the Outcasts had in their entire fucking time as a group? Honestly, probably is. We flash forward um, three days where she defends it against Emi Sakura. And, yep, you guessed it, outside of Jade, the shortest match. And yet Emi took advantage of that time. Um, three days later, she defends it against Robin Renegade. They set up a program uh, where four days later, she defends it against Jade in an awesome fucking match. So good. Yeah, Jade's send-off from AEW was It phenomenal. was phenomenal. That was the Rampage 110 in Cincinnati. And um, three days later, she defends against Britt Baker in another fun match. Uh, we then... Is that the last time we saw Britt Baker? It, might, it feels like it. Um, we jump forward about two <laughs> and a half weeks later to yeah. Wrestle Dream, where the Julia Hart feud is in full effect. You know, classic two-week feud. And uh, Julia Hart, I remember going into it. I thought she might have win. She didn't. Uh, Statlander beats her. That might be why that we got this here because maybe they thought they missed on it. Yeah. You know what I mean, uh, I don't think they did though. I think they actually drawing it out actually worked out. Better it it for did Julia's work character. out. Two weeks later, she defeats Sky Blue. A week after that, at Battle of the Belt, she defeats Willow Nightingale. And at this point, I was, I was ready to move on for sure from this from this title. I think specifically after the Julia Hart thing, and then a month goes by. And I've, I mean, you even remember last week, I was like, we got to do something. And she does lose the title. Yeah, we, to we either Hart. need to inject some, like, gas into this fucking storyline, or we needed to, like, you know, abort and move to something else. Yeah. You know, like, which, that's just the way it is in wrestling sometimes, you know? And they did. And I think there's another title reign that they need to do that, and they didn't tonight. So we'll get into that at the end of the show. Um, but oh, first. no, no, no. Holy shit. AW just signed the guy. Will Ospreay is all elite. Literally. Um, actively being pursued. Not yet, though. Yeah, not yet, though. Actively being pursued by WWE, just like Jay White. Uh, AW was able to sign him, and I think that's a sign that... Bro, our friend Dart is going to be salty about this <laughs> it's one. It's a sign of the times, man. The, t- the times are changing in terms of being able to sign these guys. And, you know, Will Ospreay, there's no one that puts on more consistent best matches than Will Ospreay. In, honestly, it seems like in the history of wrestling that sometimes. What he's doing with anyone is unheard of. And it doesn't matter what company he's doing it in. Dude, back-to-back fucking nights. He just did it against Zack Sabre Jr. in New Japan. And then he wrestled Mike Bailey in TNA. And I've that's my favorite Mike Bailey match I've ever seen. Like, it, it was 15 minutes. It, I, I Will Ospreay is on another level. I mean, he is compared to Misawa, and the fact that that's even a fucking statement that we're saying about someone who's 30 years old, Will Ospreay's got another 15 years in his career, you know, bearing, you know, of course, some crazy injury or something, but optimistically speaking, he's got a 15-year career ahead of him still, and he is not just the future, he's the now. I I thought there was a chance maybe he does a little three-year run in WWE. Maybe he does three years in AEW and then does three in WWE. That still might happen three years from now. You know, we can talk about best wrestler in the world, and that's a conversation you can have, and you can have a bunch of different arguments about that. I'd say right now the most popular, most, like, must-sign wrestler in the world right now, if you couldn't, like, if it wasn't, like, Okada or, like, MJF or something like that that you could get your hands on, I think it's literally Will. And it's, like, Yeah, it's that, Will. That's why this is so insane. It's because of what he does in the ring every And then maybe time. Mercedes on the female side. Like, that would be the equivalent. Yeah, you know what I mean? And th- you know what I mean? Like, that, that's what we're talking about here, you know? Like, so he, he has a funny little pro where, pipe down, bro! I got to finish my fucking career. Um, he's all elite, bruv. 
And um, yeah, I, I think that sets up David Finley to beat him and John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. Which what the fuck? That's good for David. Uh, I feel like there'll be some people that'll be like, "Why did he announce it if he's still got like three months left on his contract?" It's like because New Japan respects this guy enough. Because as he said, he was there and he's been there since he was twenty fucking years, twenty two years old, and he's thirty now. Like yep. you said, so like, and he has evolved. Guys, from, eight year of his yeah. career there. They taught him how to be the wrestler that he is, essentially, and probably the man that he is. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Him and Ricochet were the two um, best high flyers in the world at the time, and he's evolved his style to something that it make it makes him in contention for, like literally with with the accolades of Masawa. So, I mean, you name it, man. <laughs> Seriously, that's it's unheard of. Um, uh, it it is a great thing to bring him in, and hopefully, and I'm gonna say hopefully he's gonna be a world champion in 2024 in AEW. It's going to be great, and hopefully he wins it all out. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking put a date on it. Hopefully he wins it in a nine months from now. So, No, nah, you, you said hopefully he wins it all out, I, I, and I respect that. I, I'm going to disagree. I Hopefully he wins it all in a win. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. Yep, yep. That's what I meant. God damn it. Shit. Oh, good, good, good. Um, okay. So we jump to making sure I'm not missing anything. We have Swerve nope. Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. My um, God. I'm going to let you take the lead on this match, but dude, this, holy shit. This, uh, one of the most violent matches in the history of <laughs> AEW. I'm going to say the most violent match in the history of AEW. I don't know how anything could be close. I was glued to the screen. I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, I wanted to look away, to be honest with you, like, this shit was fucking hard to watch. <laughs> but, yeah. So just before yeah. we get into that, though, the dance routine with Nana and the fucking backup dancers was incredible. <laughs> the Swerve's entrance was incredible. It's so good. Um, and then Hangman's non-entrance and just immediately beating the piss out of the guy was also awesome. Um, and then immediately going out to the outside and, or like, you know, under the apron and hitting a fucking buckshot that just, when they showed the replay, Charlie, he just fucking killed this guy. Swerve might've been like loopy at this point. Like, I don't know yeah. how the hell Swerve wrestled a match after this, let alone the other 15 things they were going to go on to do throughout this match. Which I couldn't even keep up with writing down, but let's go through some of the highlights here. Um, so we talked about the buckshot of the jaw. Then Hangman goes under the ring, and he pulls out a chair, and I'm like, okay, you know, obviously, it's a fucking wrestling match, with a, it's a street fight, you know, we get chairs, you know what I mean? And then he pulls out a fucking staple gun. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be that kind of match. Okay. And then he proceeds to staple swerve, I think like on the arm or something like that, or leg, something like that first. He, he does something really simple. But then he just starts stapling Swerve in the peck, and then all over the chest. And then he goes for the guy's face. And then he staples one of his child's drawings to the man's face. Dude. Uh, unfucking real. Who thinks of this shit? Swerve Strickland. How to play into uh, the I'm angles sorry. that they've built up, man? What a what a fucking incredibly booked like, program. Do, do we really think Hangman was like, what if I stapled you in the face? Now, I can see it. I mean, Hangman obviously likes these Texas death matches, clearly. And then but, he's like, nah, nah, like, nah. Go get one of your kids' drawings and do it. <laughs> like, dude, seriously. 
holy shit, how good was this? We thought that was the most metal thing that was going to happen in this match. Not long after this, Hangman decided to just drink some of Swerve's blood. Because I guess he was thirsty mid-match. Hangman actual vampire, apparently. Like, that was insane. By the way, by this point, Swerve was bleeding, like, insanely. Like, I would not be surprised if Swerve needed, like, a blood transfusion after this match. He was bleeding, like, crazy. <laughs> like, I think the only time I've seen somebody bleed more was uh, Punk during his uh, dog collar match. I think, remember how much he bled during that match, bro? Yeah. Like, that's the, like, most that I can think of. Or maybe Danielson, I think, had a really bloody match once. Like, there's been a couple, but, like, and obviously we have, you know, we've had our, our, our bleed fest with Moxley and, uh, and Eddie and stuff like that, but... Um, anyway, um, then Swerve then, again, if you thought that was the most metal thing, Hangman drinking Swerve's blood was going to be the most metal thing that happened in that match. Swerve then grabbed the staple gun and stapled Hangman once and then said, I'll staple you again. And then stapled himself repeatedly in the chest to show that he doesn't give a fuck. Dude. I have no words. (laughs) Swerve is a deathmatch legend. Yeah, though I think I think uh, something that I think I uh, off the top of my head I was thinking while I was like walking when I went to use the restroom just now when when you were talking about um the uh, title reign of uh, Chris Statlander I is that like Swerve Strickland just is really good at coming up with violent spots to do in wrestling I I and I it has to be him because he's the common denominator and like. Charlie, the only thing that's even come close to this that I've ever seen in wrestling was that other match that we talk about between him and Dante Fox, aka AR Fox, when they were in Lucha Underground and he was going to kill shot. Like, yeah. This was kill shots were, basically, let's be honest. Like, um he had a Death Valley driver onto a fucking cinder block, which I think was originally supposed to be I think that, that cinder block was not supposed to break like it did like not long after. Maybe it was. Maybe it worked exactly how it was supposed to. But to me, in my head, I think they were trying to recreate the spot that we've only seen once that he did to uh, Keith Lee, where he broke it on the chest. Yeah. Like, maybe, because Swerve wins, maybe that was going to be the finish. Um, but, like, they ended up using it in multiple different ways. Uh, they obviously did the Death Valley Driver on it. But then I think at one point, there was, like, half a cinder block left, and he just broke it on his back. And uh, I'm assuming this is some kind of, like, way, like, easier to break cinder block. Because it did seem like it didn't, like, hit his back and then break on the ground. Like it shattered on his back. So it obviously was weakened by him landing on it, but that makes me think it's kind of a weakened the cinder block on purpose, which obviously if Swerve jumped on you with an actual cinder block, he would actually hurt you. So it makes sense that it's like a, a you know what I mean? Like a breakaway cinder block or whatever. But it's, it was just, it is interesting to, to watch, you know, the cinder block shit. Like, again, like there's a couple people in AEW and ring of honor that like innovate with all these like death match things. And I'm just like, I don't know where they come up with this shit. This, like I said, it was hard to watch, and the stipulations on this match, stipulation matches on this show, hit like hard as fuck for some reason. Like the last spot that I wrote down was, um, Swerve goes down to the side of the ring and grabs out the black bag, and everyone's like, "Oh, thumbtacks!" Nope, fucking bottle pieces, broken glass pieces of a bottle, dude. Puts it on Hangman's back, goes up. I believe he hits a shooting star press. And lands on his fucking back, and I—I I don't know what happened to all the big chunks of glass. I'm assuming they shattered between their bodies, which is just the fucking most metal thing I think I've said all day. But like, 
What an insane match. Just give me your thoughts on Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. It's just like absolutely killing each Dude, other. I... Ultimately, Swerve Strickland picks up the win. Fucking craziness. I got to tell you, man, such an enjoyable fucking match. And, um, dude, just it, it Swerve. Let me let me get this out of the way, too. This is the right result. Swerve Strickland should win this match because we're building Swerve Strickland to be our next world champion. And him winning this match puts him in front of the fucking line, especially after the open casket that Jay White's probably in now. Maybe exaggerating, but you know what I mean. But, um, I, I, dude, what the fuck? I, I just, I can't get over how great this match was. And, you know, it's matches like this to me that may, uh, there's going to be some things about full gear that, yeah, my pussy hurts a little bit about, but I'm going to remember the stuff like this. And this is my favorite Swerve Strickland match ever. My favorite Hangman Page match ever. And I, I think this is arguably one of the best matches in the history of this company. And how many times have we said that this year? It's fucking insane, man. It's absolutely insane. Um, They gave everything they had. This was truly unique. And what more can you say about I that? I don't know how AEW manages to somehow put on crazier and crazier matches. It's, it's one of the fucking most frustrating parts about doing, like, end-of-the-year awards for this company is that you yeah. have to literally every fucking month reevaluate and be like, did I like this match more than I liked the match from six months ago? Yeah. No, I don't think I did. And that's how crazy the matches that happen in, like, January are, is that they stick with you for the rest of the year. I'm still stuck on Danielson versus MJF. I'm still not moving on that thing, I don't think. You know it, was, like, it was unreal. That, it, that match was unreal. And, and But then again, there's this match, and there's also, like, 15 others I gotta think about. That, and that's just one match each off of the shows. You know what I mean? It's like Because ah. it's not often where I think to myself, like, that was a perfect wrestling match. And I, I just, I think this was to me, man. Like, I... If I was a ratings guy, it's a, it's a, it's an A plus. It's a ten out of ten. It's a five out of five on Letterbox. You know what I mean? It's getting the Ted Lasso season one score, bro. Like this is this is the way. It's Mandalorian season one, bro. Like, bro, you know what I mean? It's ain't your Ahsoka. Who would, no, will, I'm sorry. Who, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If will Ospreay was in Star Wars, who would he play? Jar Jar Binks. I I will not elaborate. God, God All damn right. it. Um, why does it? Why does it feel right? <laughs> Up next, we'll we'll speed run this one. Uh, we have the Golden Jets defeating the Young Bucks. Um, Kenny teased the heel turn; it didn't happen. Uh, the Young Bucks lose their title opportunity, and they completely rage quit. They're throwing shoes. They're flicking off the AEW signs. I, uh, you know, match was fine. It, how much better would this and much more invested would people have been if this was the Golden Lovers? I think, you know, that speculation expectation bite me in the ass, but I'm not the only one here. And honestly, for a Young Bucks match against Kenny Omega, this was nowhere near what it could have been. So, you know, uh, and, it, and it could be just what they just followed. And I'm totally willing to play that out. You know, I'll, I'll watch this in a vacuum when, when HBO's on, when, when AW's on Max and, you know, I'll watch this match in a vacuum and see how if I feel different. But uh, it was whatever, you know. Any any other thoughts you had on this before we jump into our main event? I just didn't understand this match in the first place. Like, yeah. the stip- like this is like super weird. Like it's like the, the was the stipulations were super weird. It's like 
Oh, and apparently they, the Bucks are just sitting on a fucking title shot. Apparently, yeah, they they won it at Wrestle Dream. This was the Wrestle Dream win that we thought would would line I, I up guess, to face FTR. They haven't, they haven't kept us abreast. You know, I know. So I and then FTR mean, lose, and we're like, wait, what? This is like, like, ah, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know where. I mean, I can tell you what happened. I mean, between those times, a punk and the punk should happen. So I guarantee they were like, yeah, we don't have a problem with you, but we don't want to work with you now because the way that shit went and probably what happened or something. I mean, it it could have been, but I mean. Or it could have been the other way around because as much as we like to think. I just think think plans change. I I think it could be Dax and fucking Cash being like, yeah, fuck you. You got rid of our friend. You know what I mean? I I just, I worry plans changed and I just don't know why. People did speculate that they were punishing FTR. like, why are we you know? getting Jericho and Kenny versus, you know, Big Bill and Ricky Starks? Like, Kenny needs to get the fuck out of the tag division. He needs. That's, by the way, why people speculated that, because it felt like such an abrupt, random team to like, throw in. It feels like the disrespectful team that you throw it on because you want to get it off them. As Remember soon the as line possible. he said, I need to get back to doing what I, what I do best? Like,. If Kenny's not in this Continental Classic, man, I'm, I, I don't know, man. I got to be honest with you, man. Like, Kenny started off this year one of the strongest arguments for wrestler of the year. And I think, like, toward the end of this year, he has slowed down significantly. Nothing Dude, he's not Kenny, even working any you know? singles matches. I, I 1,000% agree. Which is, like, I think taking him out of the running for me. You know what I mean? He's still up Dude, there. He still had some of the best matches. In, in one year. of the – yeah, think, his match against Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom, it might still – it is a top three match of the year. It's No, I think that could be one of your matches of the year, and he could still end up not winning. Like that's going to be on the, the polls for, for match of the year, and I, I could see myself voting for it given hey, the moment. you know what? Fuck it. You know what we can do now? Because he's technically under he's – not, he's not signed. I mean he's signed. He's technically all elite. We can put Will Osprey in there. We could just cheat. You yeah, know bro. I mean? like, we fucking cheese the graphic. Fuck it. Um, but yeah. Okay, main event time. All right, guys. Yeah, we definitely have to not consider Osprey until next year because otherwise he's winning everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> like literally. Um. So here we go. Uh, they do their entrances. MJF pulls up in an ambulance. He's hobbled. The bell rings. Switchblades laying the beat down. The guns. They jump MJF on the ringside. And I'm gonna be honest. I'm just gonna read what I wrote, man. This is this is what I was feeling, you know. And you guys know, no matter what's going on, I, I will keep it a hundred with you. And I wrote, "This feels WWE." Now that might that might offend some people. Some people might fully agree, but to me, just I've seen so many WWE main events that feel like how I felt in that moment. Jay White's throwing a shirt at Adam Cole. Some more shenanigans are afoot. Um, I had to write down because that this is the moment where I posted that tweet and I said people are calling me a WWE mark on Twitter, which I felt like the most ironic thing given the you know hashtag eat sleep elite. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Um, Jay White hits this beautiful urinagi. The table spot is botched. MGF says fuck that. He jumps from the rope to the floor. And at this moment, Duke, we're gonna we're gonna pause for a second. Do we do all these bullshit shenanigans? Fucking around with the goddamn match, doing the ambulance, just for them to have a normal match, anyways. What the? F- so, like, what makes me confused about this whole situation is, like, unless MJF is just like completely irresponsible, which I don't think is the case. No, he's he's on percent fine. In which case, that that he just decided to have a weird match for like the first bit. Like, I get it. This has been done before, but like, 
I think it's the combination of this, which we've seen for plenty of world title matches in the past. You know what I mean? In fact, I think that was kind of the problem with Adam Page's reign was that it was all matches like this where they were just trying to work a body part on him because I don't know. I just, people just didn't want to. I don't know. It was some weird. It's something I noticed in that title reign that I didn't really point out, but it was something I did notice. I was like, yeah, everybody just works a body part against Adam. It's weird, but all right, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, I and I guess maybe if you don't want to like risk destroying your champion but like i don't know like i feel like you can have exciting matches i feel like people are scared in AEW to go out and have those insane matches they can have where it's like fully paced unless they're not champion like and, and if they're champion yeah. i feel like they're way protected like and it sucks because well no i think to be fair i feel like, like we haven't done this yet with him like he, with him no like, but it, this is definitely something they just absolutely exploited in the i past, i just you know i mean? can't like, believe we did two months of build-up for them to fucking do an ambulance angle yeah, that's the night the point before, that the night of. I, I'm glad I made that point earlier because that's really what more upsets me about this situation is that they had a good few. They didn't have to do any of this. All this was just like unnecessary is the word I would use. Like, and it just, it muddled the water, mud, muddled, it muddled, it muddled things and muddied the waters. Like it just made a really good storyline into like kind of an average storyline now. You know what I mean? Like, cause it fucking ended on a, like the, to use a term you used earlier, a wet fart, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, no. I, and not that the match wasn't still good. And, and but like, that's why I wanted to pause there because I felt like after that, we went to a normal match and what, what could have been the entire time, but instead we got it fucking halved. You know what I mean? Um, but but yeah, uh, so after that spot's hit, we get the Avalanche Uranagi from Jay White. Um, Chop City ensues, right? There's some heavy hits. Jay White is chopping the ever-living piss out of this motherfucker. MGF, I wrote, he's learning to breathe with the Switchblade. He's starting to catch up with what Jay's doing, though. Thumbs to the eye. A Blade Runner's counter to a beautiful forearm. Uh, Jay White, multiple Germans by White. MGF goes on, he's still selling his leg injury. If MGF is fucking world class at selling an injury. And um he he put it he proved it again. And and I know some people will be like, well what do you mean by that? Well I don't mind working an injury during a match. To me that's that's wrestling. That's fundamental wrestling. I it's the whole way they went about it. You could have done the angle, he could have done the match, and they're still working what the guns beat him up for. All I would be perfectly fine with that. We even had told we had Tony Khan tweet a fucking graphic of Adam Cole and Jay White, and they posted it throughout the show. Whatever. All right, moving on. Um, MJF hits a really sick fucking tombstone. He then hits the in, in an RKO over the top rope, which uh, you guys might have. If you thought that looked familiar, you're not alone because that's one of our guy, Myron Reed. That's his fucking move. He came up with that exact spot, and it was one of the first. It's something that helped him really get over in MLW especially and it's something that he's carried throughout the years and it sounds like I I saw him post a little tweet <laughs> I don't know if it's all fun and games or he he said uh I feel like Kenta do with that information what you will um uh the knee selling by MJF after he hit that again just in, it, it's so good he denies the doctor the doctor's trying to get him man Jay White locks in the figure 4 they're working that around for what felt like uh, an eternity in a good way. That felt New Japan-esque, right? How Jay was working the figure four. Adam Cole tries to cheat. Jay White steals the title, clocks MJF. The ref is down. Duke, are we going to see the devil? Nope. MJF can't reach for the diamond ring. Jay White gets it. 
Um, we get a low blow from MGF. The guns try to attack MGF. He's beating him up with the ring. MGF hits Jay White with the ring, and he gets the pin. One, two, three. I don't care that he won by a ring with the ring. How do you book everything that you just did and still have Jay White lose? That makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it is actually absurd that like you do everything in your power to set up a Jay White win, and then you don't put Jay White. With- I'm not saying that Jay White should have won this match. I, I actually, I think, I but think with the I, way I the match went, head, right? Like especially, right? Everything in this match is pointing. To, and again, uh, uh, this is something that, and this is maybe why it felt WWE to you. This is something that WWE does all the time, where they're like, "We got to subvert everybody's expectations, so we got to do the thing nobody's expecting." And I think I've literally heard Tony Khan say this before in interviews where he said, this is what we want to try and do because we're always trying to, you know, because wrestling fans are so smart, you have to try and like really get them. But to me, like we just got to use what we got, which is actual surprises now, like when somebody new debuts or when, you know, and it sucks that you can't really do that all the time anymore unless you do these weird mystery boxes like the devil, you know, like which are hit or miss as we know, you know, like, um, so I mean, like I... I don't know how you attach all this stuff to, like I said, a really, really well-told story over the last few months between, uh, and and God, just another fucking belt-stealing storyline that just down the fucking dude, game. like that just none of them will ever be good. They are cursed. Never do it again. Anybody in the wrestling business, it's bad. It's just will always end poorly. I, I feel like I've been proven right at this point. Imagine if they would have just let the boys cook the entire match. We didn't have that bullshit. Dude, that last like twelve oh, dude, minutes was awesome. They just throw fucking MJF like what he did against fucking um who was it against was it against Okada? Yeah, like that he did against Okada, where they just have him go balls to the fucking wall against a New Japan style wrestler in a New Japan style fucking hard hitting match because MJF can. We've seen him do it before. So why is that not the decision that you have? Here? It's what you built up this entire storyline to be. It doesn't even feel like Jay White really got his come up in. He didn't match, because everything no. was going his way all the way up until the end. Like I. I- uh, it's it's time we move on from this title reign, and I gotta tell you, man, this this was a fucking this this was this felt bad. Um, you know, we've we've built up this story on what we could do. It doesn't help that also to there was fucking horseshit from the win the ROH title, uh, the ROH uh, tag titles earlier in the night. How many matches ended in horseshit, man? Like, what the fuck are we doing? That is not what AEW does. And, you know, you're allowed to lose a match clean, right? If MGF were to lose this match, there's 18,000 excuses he had. There's not a single one for Jay White. And if if people try and say the ring, that's, dude, seriously, you got to think about it. The ring is not protecting him from nearly beating Adam Cole, who doesn't have a foot. Or MJF, who's been beaten the piss out of. He just drove four and a half hours through LA traffic to get back to the fight. He definitely had to take a piss. You know what I mean? Right, I, t- I just thought about that. That's true. Even with the help of both the guns and fucking the fact that they had already d- damaged the guy, he still couldn't beat the guy. That's why I made the joke. It's an open casket, dude. Where, where do you do from this if you're, if you're Jay White? How do you, how do you get your lick back, right? What the fuck are you going to... Are they going to say, oh, he didn't have juice with him? Another person to help him? 
you got to put them, you got to do like what you did with, like, I forget somebody else had like a really bad ending to a storyline like this once and they put them in a blood feud like the next week on TV to try and like reignite some fury with them and it worked, but like then they haven't really used a whole bunch since. I don't even remember who it is, but I just remember that happening and it was like, yeah, that is an option. I don't know if that's going to work in this instance. I mean, this is the collision. This is the star of collision that you just had. Like, you kind of buried him a little bit, you know, like. And and I know they're not afraid to fucking do this because what have the righteous been doing, man? A teaming with Lance Archer randomly? That's never going to go anywhere. He's back in Japan. Like, dude, I just, I don't know, man. This this was uh, this was overstuffed. And, you know, I think when they got going, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, MGF has so many enemies. Wardlow was going to take everything from him. He was going to ruin his life, just like Max ruined his. He picked him up by the throat and held him in the fucking corner. Where was Wardlow tonight? There was a ref bump. Did, did was Wardlow stuck in traffic too? That must have been. You know, Samoa Joe earlier in the night. Wardlow. When he, he actually wrecked into Wardlow's car with yeah, the ambulance yeah. on the way there. Earlier in the night, when Samoa Joe just shakes his hand, surely, surely. Samoa Joe is going to do something. He's not just going to let that slide. Come on. Are you kidding me? He didn't do shit. What are they scared of Adam Cole with crutches and, and one foot? And this will be the last one we ended on. Because I don't think it was necessary that the devil was shown. But the devil has constantly been around Max. <laughs> His first attack was Jay White. You maybe could have saved Jay White if the devil does something to help him win, right? Any idea what happened to the devil tonight? Um, no. Uh, I actually thought there was a second when they could have gone with something and they decided obviously not to. I mean, I don't think this was the plan. I was thinking when they threatened the towel throwing him, which is a past storyline thing that MJF did to somebody else to screw somebody over, right? I thought maybe Adam Cole is going to throw it in and then like take the boot off yeah. and we find out he's actually not hurt. And obviously, obviously again, I'm just like fantasy booking here. Yeah, yeah. And then like we find out he was the devil, right? And it all gets revealed at the very end of the show or something like that, right? Something like that. <clears throat> I could see that working. But I mean, at the same time, like it didn't happen and like there were other moments throughout the match where that could have been a similar thing so it's just like i just don't know like i'm with you i don't know where you go with jay white from here you're really gonna have to do something because like who's your star for collision now like really genuinely like not there's no other stars on there but like yeah who do you go to next you know what i mean like julie hart julie hart's probably our star Maybe Roosh on the other side of the coin. That that's about it. I think you're gonna have to move on Roosh really fast, and maybe that's who you put Jay up against next. You know what I mean? Because Christian Cage take he's taking that title to fucking dynamite more more often than not. So yeah, maybe we can develop something Orange Cassidy and Roosh in a blood feud. Maybe you could do something there and really get get eyes on there. I I do think you should try and do something with Jay. That way he doesn't just get completely lost because like. My fear, Charlie, is that they're going to see things the same way we do and be like, where do we go from here? And yep. then he's just not What Jay White's going to do? If, if they put him in this tournament, maybe you have him win the thing, right? If you don't, I think we're going to see him wrestle like uh, – he'll, he'll wrestle – I'll give you uh, – Action Andretti. Two weeks later, he'll wrestle uh, 
Uh, you know, Silas Young. Another two weeks will go by. He'll wrestle Jalistico. We'll think we're getting somewhere pretty cool. Four weeks go by, and he'll enter. He'll he'll be going for the tag titles with Juice Robinson, and and that might be what ends up happening. And I mean, that's not a bad spot to be in. I mean, it's you not know, where he should. Could, be, I, it's very possible that over the next two months we could see him have three matches that we know he's going to win and and a tag title yeah, feud. It just felt like such an easy layup to put the title on Jay White after he's been after the way that they one hundred percent, and after the way they booked this match, I, I that was actually like the silver lining for me. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, they've already mentioned MJF hit the year mark. You know, we're we're doing this thing. He he's the longest reigning champion ever. He's he he's he got fucking brought to an ambulance. Like he went to the hospital. I can buy MJF losing like this and wanting to get some serious revenge at World's End. He's contending for the title at World's End, and you know we can go from there. But it wasn't the case, and um. Uh, think about the devil I want to say before we will do our little sign off here. I don't think it was necessary to reveal him, but to not do anything with him, but to not do anything with him felt a little out of place because they've been heating up the devil week in and week out, including this week. They showed him immediately after Wardlow and the fact that neither of them were on the show. I, I, I feel like something changed and I, I don't know if we're going to get that answer. I don't know, but yeah, hit us with some closing thoughts and uh and uh yeah. Uh I would say like you said it was a mixed bag. I still enjoyed the pay-per-view and like I said earlier I don't think I disliked anything. I think um I don't think this is the one of the best shows of the year, but it definitely has some of my favorite matches of the year on it. Agreed. Um and I think overall uh, maybe some of the stuff was a misfire. Um but especially the stuff with the main event. Like that's going to go down to maybe the biggest main event fumble ever in AEW history. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Luckily the, I, they, the John Moxley thing exists, right? The fucking, the him and Eddie Kingston. So <laughs> with the fucking uh, pyro, the, the exploding, oh, yeah, luckily that, for them, that, that exists. That, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as they hated it at the time, I'm sure maybe to this day, even still like that was just embarrassing. Really like this that. wasn't company embarrassing. At least they got that. Well, I mean, it's kind of a little bit sad. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's very sad for Jay White. I I, I feel so bad like, for imagine him. being him right now. You bet you bet on AEW and bet on yourself rather than go to the place that you he would you he. I'm sorry. I if Jay White goes to WWE this year, I don't think Roman's still champion. I'm just gonna say it. Like uh, you know, like maybe as much as I maybe, like Cody. Yeah. Cody could win it off of Jay. What's to stop him from doing that? Why does it have to be Roman? I think this is going to be built up in this idea that it has to be Cody, but Cody doesn't have to. Cody's goal is to win the world title, not to win it off Roman. I mean, I'm sure he would love to be the one to be Roman, but I think if he just wins the world title, he'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like, I'll 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 end my closing thought with this. I think what happens with Jay White until World's End is going to be a testament of how they can recover from something like this. They're going to see this feedback, dude. They, this isn't just us. We might not even be the only ones that feel. No, this no, way. this is we not just us. I saw even even uh, Rhapsody was Grapsity was saying it. They weren't feeling it. Uh, Tranquilo Club was not feeling it. And and these are people that you know the Ric Flair thing. They really fucking hated this a lot. Uh, like, we we were we took it easy on that. We were we buried it. But compared to what other people were doing, 
we we took it a little easy on that, and I, I everyone seems to be kind of unanimous on a couple of these things, and um, we got to wait and see. What I, I'm more intrigued what happens with Jay White now. I think more than anyone on this roster. Like, it, if we just jump to collision this this upcoming week, and he does, if he's not on the show. I'm going to be fucking concerned, man. Oh, yeah. That's going to be like a devastating sign. I mean, if I'm Jay White right now, I'm kind of feeling the vibe of like the company just does not believe in me. And that's like insane. You know what I mean? That's why like, I, I hope they, they had like a really good pregame meeting, man. Like or something, you know, I just they get told them like, dude, what's going to happen tonight? This is what's going to happen. And and what we're going to lead it to you winning this Continental Classic. And, and you're going to go on from that. And you're, you're going to do all this crazy shit. And you're going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. No, he he he's probably done with Japan for a while. He, he he's an AEW guy, and technically he's banned from Japan. Isn't he? <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, in storyline. Yeah. Um, I've talked so much. I've I've uh, reignited my sore throat, so I, I went on an awesome coughing fit. So that's why if I sounded a little crazy, I uh, I flipped it to you. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you very much for checking this out. We'll be back next week, and I'm sure we're gonna have some interesting discussions. If this is your first time checking us out, I promise. We're not a salty podcast. It just, I mean, we were glazing up so much shit tonight. Who the fuck am I kidding? We keep it real with you guys. We we keep it real. And while signing uh, Will Ospreay tonight and Kota Ibushi this week and Mariah May two weeks ago, I think the future of AEW is very, very fucking bright. And how about that? Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay in the same week, huh? Can't fucking beat that. Thank you, everyone. Again, we are at Eat Sleep Elite, twitch.tv backslash the Duke of Dirts. At Bane Duke, at O Charlie with an X instead of an A. Uh, you can catch us hanging out, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Um, you know, since Wardlow didn't get any shine tonight, he's going to take us home tonight. So, Wardlow, you do your thing. <laughs>